We've been following along in a series called Jesus the Game Changer. And a lot of it is to do with the influence of Jesus and his teachings on the whole world as we know it today and the history of the world. I wanted to concentrate more in the next topic, which is wealth, on how Jesus views wealth and the impact uh, of wealth and his thinking on our own lives. And in that sense, it's the game changing is going to happen for each one of us. And I think probably when you were young, and I can identify with this, that we often thought, what would it be like if I was really wealthy when I grow up? What, what would it be like if I just had millions and millions to spend? I could just buy anything, do anything, the freedom that I would have. And we kind of have this idea and dream as we grow up. And probably when we grow up, we think, I don't know whether it's going to happen to me. And we realize that in terms of our own wealth and our prosperity, it's probably a lot of our worries come from lack of money than having too much abundance of money. An experience that Rachel and I had when we were just recently, over the last few years, we went to Africa three times. And we visited an extremely poor part of Uganda. And I have a, a photograph here of a classroom. And in that classroom, you'll see there are actually a couple of classes there. One teacher. It's a pretty old, run-down school. And this was typical of a number of schools that we visited. It was concrete, pretty shabby, hadn't been painted or refreshed or renovated in any way. And it just showed me the poverty that young children lived with and uh, some of the children were not able to have lunches during the day of school because their families couldn't provide enough food for them so they went quite hungry during the day and in the end uh, it affected their learning ability even though education is compulsory in Uganda at least to the primary school age a lot of these children were really struggling uh, just because their environment was very poor we also met a boy in the street who was, uh, there's a picture of him there. Probably can't see him very clearly, but he was dressed in pretty ragged clothes. He had no shoes. Uh, we don't know if he was homeless. He probably did live with a family. He was very dirty as well. And one of the things that happened in Uganda over, say, 10 or 15 years ago, there was an HIV epidemic. About a third of the whole nation, 35 million people, third were HIV positive. So what's happened since then is a whole generation of adults that have just have passed away, have died. Empty villages, animals running wild, um, crops overgrown, and children without homes and without parents, without family. Many of these kids were taken in by other families. And one of the issues was that uh, a typical family had eight to 10 children already so taking in some more kids off the street meant that there wasn't much to go around. And boys such as this little uh, boy, who's probably about seven, I think, ended up uh, being the one who was uh, missed out on the education, or missed out on the clothes, or missed out on the food. So uh, it was really, it really impacted us seeing the poverty firsthand. And you can go to many countries of the world, including Australia, and find places where people live in dire poverty. It helps us to reflect that in our own lives, we have relative wealth, even though we feel like we may not have enough. 
we are very wealthy compared to maybe three quarters of the whole world. So I wanted to talk about wealth and what Jesus said about wealth and riches and money and finances because it affects each one of us every day. We're going to look at some of the scriptures and some of the teachings of Jesus and you'll find that he spoke very much about money and wealth and it's because he knew that it was one of the difficult areas of our lives. So we'll look at the first passage which I think of, it's a parable, I call it the parable of the bigger barns. It's a story that Jesus told, Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 21. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves and who is not rich toward God. So here's a man who thought he could rely on a huge harvest, but that night, his, that very night he was to die. And we have our own storage barns, of course. It could be a different type of storage, like, a, like financial investments or um, just possessions that we have. But Jesus said, this is how it will be for with whoever stores up things for themselves that is not rich toward God. So it prompts the question, what does it mean to be rich towards God? There's a, a, a fundamental thought that Jesus is bringing to us this morning. In another passage, he talks about treasures in heaven. And it follows on from this. It's Mark, Matthew 6. 19 to 21 and verse 24. I'll read this to you as well. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So I think of moths, I think of clothes. Rust could be some prophetic thing about cars. <laughs> thieves break in and steal. Our houses, our possessions. Jesus says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I feel it's one of those little special words that Jesus throws in as a kind of a moral to the story, as a kind of a principle. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, it says in verse 24. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven, where your treasure, where is your treasure, your heart will also be. So it is a matter of the heart. And it speaks to me of the fact that God looks at our hearts more than anything, more than what we possess. And he's thinking, what is it that your heart 
is devoted to what is in your heart. And there's only room in our heart for one main thing. It says no one can serve two masters. Which is it going to be? You cannot serve God and money. We can't have a divided heart. There's only room in our heart for one master. So it's a challenge to say, is it the Lord who is the Lord of our heart? Or is it all the other things, the desires, the things that we crave after? Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 to 10. And I guess you can put this, this part of the message under the heading, the dangers of wealth. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I think what Paul's saying is that money is, is a fairly neutral thing. It's not that it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's really where our desires and hearts are. What is it that we are craving after is an attitude of our heart, which is the problem. Riches can become a temptation, causing foolish desires that lead to destruction. And the word destruction is a, is a destroying impact of us pursuing the harmful desires. The love of money is the root of all evil. So as we know, it's underlying the love of money. Not as money is the root of all evil, but the love of money. Some people for eager for money have wandered from the faith. That's, a, that's a, a kind of a scary thing for us to think that our faith could be impacted by the desires that we have, the wrong desires that tend to possess us and eat away at us, that we've found... Well, I don't feel that close to the Lord these days. I feel something's getting in the way. So, money is something that I find that our attitudes towards it can infiltrate our hearts. We become divided and compromised. And I feel there needs to be a, a sense of priority. I like to just think of that word priority that's saying that there's something in our life which is most important of all. And Yuki read that scripture from Matthew, and we'll touch on that again, Matthew 6. It talks about seeking first the kingdom. Jesus is well aware as he's addressing his disciples and the crowd of what motivates them. What are the things which uh, consume their thoughts? He said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's speaking about worry and anxiety. A lot of the, the list of things he talks about are our necessities, our clothes, our food. He's not even talking about the other desires we might have for the, the, the lifestyle, the, um, the prosperity. He's just talking about the needs. And he knows that we worry about our material things and that our Heavenly Father 
Our Heavenly Father will look after us if we seek first His Kingdom. It's a priority thing. He wants to be number one. I want to move on from uh, this area of talking about the dangers of wealth and how they consume us and how they can be destroying and how they can divide our heart into a, something more positive that I find, and that's, that's a kingdom perspective. To ask the question, what would it be if we all felt we were about the kingdom of God, if we were about what Jesus wants us to do, what would it be, how would our lives be in terms of finances, wealth and money? What are those things speaking to us? What is God speaking to us about those things that would encourage us to uh, be kingdom builders? Is there another perspective rather than to feel like, well, we don't want to go too much near wealth because it sounds too dangerous for me? What is God's perspective? I was reading some Psalms that I want to share with you. Psalm 50, verse 10 very simply for every animal of the forest is mine says the Lord and the cattle on a thousand hills very poetic this sort of idea of you imagine a thousand hillsides full of cattle God is saying all of that belongs to me in Psalm 24 verse 1 David wrote the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it I find this is a very refreshing starting point to realise that everything that we have, everything in this world has to offer, everything that is around us belongs to God, belongs to this, to Him. And it's important to start at that point because if we start thinking everything belongs to me, it starts to turn our perspective towards ourselves. We're starting with that thought that the Lord owns everything. I feel one of the teachings in our church, especially when we talk about tithing, which is giving 10% to God, the danger of that thought is that we think 10% is mine. Oh, wait a minute. 10% is the Lord's. 90% is mine. I keep the 90%. He gets the 10%. And starts to reinforce in us, we give something to the Lord, but we keep the rest. Whereas... I feel a great starting point is to say, before we go anywhere, that the Lord owns everything. God owns everything. Everything belongs to Him. And it gives a perspective to us that we are more stewards and guardians and caretakers. That the house we have that we live in has been given to us for us to take care of. The, uh, the people in our family, the money that we've been given, it's all about being good stewards, about being people that look after what rightfully belongs to God, rather than sort of having the mentality, well, a little bit of it can go to God and the rest of it is all mine. So the first thought I had was that God owns everything. Second thought is from Luke 16, 10 to 12. It talks about being trustworthy. And I want to ask you if you feel you are a trustworthy person. God wants us to be trustworthy. So Luke 16, 10 to 12. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? The riches of the kingdom of heaven. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, 
Who will give you property of your own? And following on in Luke 12, 48, Jesus also said, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So my second thought is trustworthiness. There's an incredible thought that God wants to, us to be trustworthy, to be able to be trusted with what he gives us. And there's an interesting part of that that says if we can be trusted with little, we can be trusted with much. And I wonder if God wants to give us more and entrust us with more of his resources in this world if we can be found trustworthy. And I'm sure we all know people that we can't trust, people that you wouldn't let them be in charge of anything because you'd feel it wouldn't go so well. But God wants us to be trustworthy. And trustworthy is in our lives, whether it's publicly or privately, to be a trustworthy person. It's a very exciting thought. I mean, imagine being the treasurer of Australia. I don't, I don't know whether anyone here is wanted to be treasurer of Australia, but to have hundreds of billions of dollars at your disposal to disperse in the right way. What a, what a responsibility, what pressure. And uh, it's, it's an honourable position, but a, a difficult position. But we wonder without what resources we've been given, have we been trustworthy to look after them well? Next thought I have from Luke 6, verse 38, is that God is generous and he wants us to be generous. And the verse says, for everyone who has been given, oh sorry, wrong verse there, 638, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's an illustration Jesus is giving of the typical situation where people are pouring out grain. You might be buying grain in a marketplace and the merchant is he's a little bit, uh, he's kind of looking after his own interests. He's not giving you too much. He's pouring it out into a sack or something, but he's, you know, you've probably been in shops where people don't, you know, you might get a, a pot of yogurt or something. Sometimes they really uh, give you just enough. Sometimes they really pour it in there and push it down, and, but he's talking about abundance and generosity here. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap. It's very good uh, imagery that Jesus is using. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use. I believe that if we are a generous person, God will be generous with you, with us. Not in the sense that he wants us just to be prosperous and well off, but he wants us to be shrewd and use what he's given us for the kingdom of God in a generous way. I don't know whether you ever see yourself as a, a stingy person, or if you've met a stingy person, you feel uh, if you ever ask them for something, you're not going to get much. Um, if you, uh, I don't know, I can't, I'm just trying to think of an example, but uh, you would feel they're stingy in their life in respect to everything. And there is a sense that thriftiness is a blessing, but stinginess can be a curse. We feel like I'm going to be so tight, tightly managed in financial matters that there's no room to give anything. God wants us to be a little more faith-filled, to be generous. And he says, as you give, so it will be given to you. I like to think of a well of water that 
pours into our lives where God is saying, I want to give you resources and that well will continue to flow. But don't be stingy about it. As you give, it will be given to you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. It's a lovely illustration. Honour the Lord with your wealth from the first fruits. Give him the best. Don't kind of save it till the last and say, well, there's got so many needs and everything's got to go on that and then I've got a little bit left over to use for the Lord's purposes. He wants us to honour, to honour him with our wealth, to use our wealth as a way of serving him. I want just to think of um, two questions to try and answer the question, what is kingdom riches? What are the riches of the kingdom? Jesus talked about, so is the man who is not rich towards God. What are kingdom riches? I feel it starts with our hearts. We talked about an attitude of our hearts not being divided. But it begins with us having a holiness in our heart. A part of our heart where we give to God what is God's with generosity, but we've given our whole heart to Him. And it allows from our hearts the love of Jesus to be expressed to those around us. And as the love of Jesus is expressed, we begin to feel, I feel like I want to give. I want to help those in need. I desire to do it. I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm not doing it because God is there with a big whip telling me to do it. I'm not doing it because someone has stood up in church and said, you need to give to the poor. But I'm doing it because out of the abundance that God has given me, I feel like the holiness in my heart and the love from my heart leads me to want to give generously to the people around me. And the last question I wanted to think about, you might have heard this expression called investing in the kingdom, investing in the kingdom of God. What does it mean to invest in the kingdom? The word invest means that we're putting something into, into the kingdom of God that's going to have a return, that's going to be fruitful. What does it mean to invest? Because so easily we could just give money to the poor and say, well, that helps the poor. A lady was just saying to me this week that you could give someone a fish and they could have a meal, but if you give them a, like a fishing rod, they would have a job and a life and the ability to um, produce their own food. The idea of investing is that instead of just throwing out our wealth or money wherever, that we're being shrewd and particular in such a way that there is a return. I thought of an illustration. Supposing you're heading into Hornsby Shopping Centre, intent on doing some Christmas shopping, not sure how much you're going to spend, but usually, typically quite a lot. And uh, we meet a homeless man there on the street of Hornsby, probably pushing a shopping trolley with all his worldly possessions. And he looks at you in the eye and he says, can you give me $10 for a meal? And immediately we feel, some of us feel suspicious. We think, what's he going to do with the money? I don't really like these sort of hands. But we're convinced that, we've become convinced that he actually is hungry. And he looks pretty hungry. So we have a choice here. We could just give him some money. 
But I wonder, perhaps this would be a great thing to do. We could think, well, where were you thinking of eating? He said, well, McDonald's. So why don't we go there together? And so you go with this fella to McDonald's, you buy him his meal, and you sit down and have a meal with him. And in that time, you get to know him. And you find, amazingly, that he has a life. And there's a story behind his homelessness. And perhaps even you become friends and his whole life is impacted by that situation. So I would say that's investing in the kingdom of God rather than just spending into the kingdom of God. In a lot of the uh, mission situations we support, very often people build schools or start businesses in another country. There's a, there's a man that I met recently in our church who's had an experience of going to Southeast Asia and building small businesses in communities, lending small loans to allow people to uh, build a business, create some wealth and provide for their families. It's really an amazing concept, just small amounts of money. But that's investing in people's lives rather than just spending. You might want to give someone a Bible thinking that their interest in the scriptures will fuel a life-changing experience for Christ rather than uh, just letting them go by with nothing. And some of us had opportunities to have people live in our homes and share a room or share our homes and our families. And that situation can bring an influence for the kingdom of God, an influence for Jesus, the love of Jesus being uh, shared in a home situation. So it's up to our imagination how we invest in the kingdom of God. But in the area of wealth, Jesus had a tremendous amount to say. There are a lot of parables and stories that we didn't have a chance to read this morning. Some of the ones we touched on reflected that in Jesus' heart, in Jesus' mind, he was thinking about our hearts. What are we devoting our lives to? What are we giving our uh, intentions to? Do we have a divided heart? What are we doing with what he shares with us? Do we trust him enough that if we honour him with our lives, he will take care of our needs? And are we trustworthy with what he gives us? Do we believe that if we give, he will give to us? That he's a generous God who is the source of all goodness and all resources? And do we see ourselves as kingdom builders, ones who are going to be used and deployed in this world to make a difference for Jesus? And in making a difference, it may take investing in some finances and wealth. And uh, it's the smart thinking and the mind for Jesus that will produce the rewards of the kingdom of heaven. So let's have a prayer together as we close. Heavenly Father, just reminded today that we are wealthy people yet we get very close-minded about how we spend our money. Pray, Lord, you not only make us generous and help us to learn how to honour you with everything we have, but also to be smart about the way we spend, the way that what you've given us can be a blessing for this world and not something which seeks our own purposes and tends to be ruinous and destructive in our lives. And I pray that our, the treasure in our hearts today will be more and more your treasures 
that our heart will be more aligned to your purposes and the purposes of Jesus in building his kingdom. We pray this today that you'll speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.